It's our third Thursday of the month on Spotlight on KRWC. We reserve the third Thursday for our monthly book club. And we certainly present a wide variety of different authors and uh, various books. And uh, each and every one is very interesting and enlightening. And uh, we're going to talk about our guest author in studio today. We're going to have Shelley Garvey in studio to do much of the interviewing today. Shelley, take it away. Hi, yes, I'm Shelley Garvey. I'm the normally the sales manager here, so but uh, I've got a really in, a real interest in this book club. And uh, today we're talking with Roger Stelges with his book Missing Angel. It's your fourth fourth book in your uh, Agent Tori Hunter book series. Yeah, that's right. So thanks, thanks for having me to talk about it. And you came in all the way from Mound. <laughs> all the way. Uh, not, a, not a bad drive. Uh, through the lakes and stuff so yeah um so yeah so thanks for having me well yeah i we had you on uh a year ago with i, b- I believe it was the first uh the first of this series uh, right silence girls yeah mm-hmm. the, the yeah, one that, that starts was a good the... book i read i i got all the way through that that was good it was a good book and and i i've missed the other the, the other two and now i I'll have to go back and read read the other two. <laughs> fill in fill in some yeah, gaps. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I guess I guess we'll just start out with uh, what is your background and where did you go to school and that sort of thing. Uh, sure, I, I'm a native Minnesotan. I've lived here all my life. I mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> I graduated from Osseo High School. I went to Minnesota State University Mankato. Uh, I went to law school at William Mitchell, and have, have worked uh, in the cities. Uh, pretty much um, all my, you know, all my professional life. And so, you know, that's the, the educational background. Um, I've been uh, writing. Uh, I published my first book in 2006, started my first, started that book in 2002, and um, have kind of been trucking along a little bit ever since. So, hmm. so <clears throat> what, what, what kind of things were you interested in school? Uh, uh, it, it's funny. I, uh, I majored in, uh, history and political science in college. And so I was either going to be a teacher or go to law school. I mean, it was really one or the other. And so, um, you know, I've always been, a uh, kind of interested in, you know, social studies, politics, history, um, those sorts of things. I was a, a child of 1980s television. I watched tons of, you know, cop and murder and detective shows. And um, my dad was a history teacher. Uh, he's long retired now, but he was an American studies history teacher high school. Uh, and so, you know, I always had that as as a background. And, and so just always had interests in those directions. And I was, a, as a kid, I was an avid reader. Um, and really kind of picked it up again after, you know, law school as just kind of a way to relax a little bit. Um, and, and, uh, eventually read enough authors where I started wondering if I could do it myself. Well, and that was going to be my next question. What led you to writing? Uh, so, you know, when I, I was a fan of, you know, some of the big names, right? Sanford, Grisham, uh, uh, Patterson, uh, Tom Clancy, uh, those were some of the, the, the authors I really gravitated to when I, when I started writing or was thinking about starting to write. Um, 
and, and I kind of read through all of their, you know, the catalogs, what books they had available. And so then I started branching out and trying to, you know, find, trying to find some new people to read. And, um, and I started reading, picking up some books. I couldn't finish them. I was like, honestly, I was like, if these people can get published and why can't I, you know, why can't I do this? And so, I mean, it, it really kind of started a little bit like that as a, a tickle in the back of my mind. Then, um, then I got really motivated by Vince Flynn. Uh, I heard Vince, Vince was ubiquitous. He would interview a lot on, te- on radio in town. But, you know, one of the stories, you know, was he, he was dyslexic. He, and, but he found a way to write a book. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you, you really, if this is something you want to do, you really have no excuses. And at the time, my kids were really young and this was before they were really getting into sports and stuff. And so I said, if you're going to do this, you got to do it now. Otherwise, it's going to be a long time before you'll have the time to do it. And mm-hmm. so that's really kind of how how it all how it all started. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, okay. Now, now my next question is: How does it feel to be uh, on the New York Times bestseller list? <laughs> that was that was a pretty cool day when that happened. Um, uh, I remember my wife called me uh, Sue and and said, you're on the New York Times bestseller list. And I said, no way. And she sent me a link to it <laughs> and said, no, you're there. And uh, and I was like, you know, that was the holy cow moment. I mean, that was, you know, kind of unexpected. But, um, but yeah, uh, so that was, that was a little bit of a feeling like, okay, you've accomplished something here. You've, um, you've developed an audience. You've got mm-hmm. people who... Uh, like what you're doing, and you know, little things like that motivate you. Uh, one of a, I've won a couple of awards. Those things kind of keep you going. Mm-hmm. Uh, the re, you know the positive reviews you see for the books. Those things keep you keep you going, keep you motivated, and and um, and and it's you know I have an audience. It's grows ever so slowly, but you know it's out there, and 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 um, and I appreciate each and every person. Who, who who cracks open one of the books. Roger, I'm just going to chime in with a question here. Um, is it a matter of, you know, when you were talking about this kind of progression of success, uh, for a starting writer, um, I, I'm sure there has to be some, you know, kind of hurdles and little bumps you got to get over and, okay, well, and then you ascend a little more. But is it getting the manuscript or book into the right hands, getting the right people to see it, to get that ball really rolling, to, to get to, to a level of success that, uh, that you hope for. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's an interesting, it's still a process. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's still, um, you know, between where, I mean, where I'm at and where some of the other names that I just mentioned are at is there's still a pretty, uh, you know, wide gulf, although, you know, certainly have, have made a lot of uh, progress. Y- you have to hustle. Yeah. When I wrote the first book, I, so I wrote my first book in, I started in 02 and kind of had it done in 2005. And so then I was like, okay, well, how do you get it published? And, and so then there was that level of research. And um, I tried to 
you know, find an agent in New York City. Well, that process back then was when you write letters to them and, and in one page you're supposed to explain what your book's all about. And, you know, I'm Roger Stelgis, lawyer in Minneapolis, and I've got a murder mystery and trying to break through all of that without, you know, as you mentioned, you know, somebody really kind of paving that way for you. It just doesn't happen. So there's no America's Got Talent for writers so much. It really doesn't seem like it, no. Yeah. So then it was like, well, but you could do this on your own. That's what Vince Flynn did. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so, you know, I printed 3,000 books. I trucked around town in the Twin Cities and anywhere that would, you know, was willing to put the book on the shelf because that was really before we even had ebooks or any of that. I mean, and so the only way you were really going to get it done was to hustle around and use whatever contacts you could. I had a contact at my law firm. He knew a reporter for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, so they did an article. Um, somebody knew somebody at the Star Tribune. They did a you know a little piece on it. Uh, somebody knew um, a guy who had a radio show on KSTP fifteen hundred in the morning long before they were sports. So I got on there. Yeah, so you hustle around and. Um, you know, we sold all those books, did it, printed another thousand, pretty much sold all of those. And then the, the publisher I worked with, just a small local publisher, said, well, you should write another book. And so, but that took three years. Wrote that, kind of did the same thing. We sold those, won a couple of awards, but it was, it's kind of money in, money out, or money out, money in. It wasn't, wasn't really getting anywhere. And my kids were really young, and and but we're starting to, play hockey and stuff and I was I wanted to do that and so I I said to my wife I said I think I'm going to hang it up and I said I can always come back to this and uh so I did and for about a year I didn't really write anything and uh at the same time uh one Sunday morning we're reading the Star Tribune at home and uh my wife was between jobs at the time and and uh she read an article in the paper and I can't remember the name of the author. It was Sarah something, but she had written a bunch of her own books and then she was putting them out on ebook out on Amazon and she was giving away some for free and some she was selling for like 99 cents. And my wife said, well, I could do this with your books. And I said, well, okay, knock yourself out. Here they are. And so she dove in to try to figure out, okay, how do you convert these things to ebooks? You know, cause I was working and, you know, coaching and, whatever and so took her about four or five months she got the first book uh the saint paul conspiracy she got that uh up on amazon and the first month it was out there we sold a copy and i think the next month we sold two copies (laughs) but she kept at it she got the second one deadly Stillwater. she got that one out there and so now we had two and then she started figuring out twitter and facebook and whatever else and then the next month it was 10, and then the next month it was 50, and then all of a sudden it was 500, mm-hmm. and then it was 1,000. And she's like, you got to write something. She goes, this is actually going. And I was like, I've got, and she goes, and I need it quick. And I go, oh. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So actually wrote a short story, which was like a prequel to the first two books. And... um and I was able to kind of crank that out within like a month and a half. It's like, it's 75 pages. And she got that out there and that was selling and we had real momentum. She goes, you need to write a novel again. And so that's how it started up again. And so I dusted off an outline that I had for a third book. Um, 
which is called Electing to Murder. And uh, in 2013, I wrote a book about trying to steal a presidential election. Imagine that. I was ahead of my time. <laughs> and so uh, and so then I've been putting a book out. I was putting a book out about every year. Uh, and then uh, uh, we trans we wrote a book, uh, the first Tory Hunter book. And I actually submitted that to some publishers and still got rejected. And so I published that one on my own. And then I published another of my Mac McRyan series books. And then one of the publishers who had rejected Silence Girls reached out and said, we screwed up. Mm -hmm. We want to work with you. And so I've been working with them ever since they re-released Silence Girls and now uh, Missing Angel, uh, which Shelley mentioned a few minutes ago. That's that's the fourth book in the series. I'm working on the fifth book in the series. I worked on it for a couple hours this morning. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, interesting, interesting yeah. route. Uh, Roger Stelgis on our book club today. Shelly, I didn't mean to steal the questions here. Right. I know you got some more. <clears throat> That's all right. So, uh, all right. Well, this is a little more. The Missing Angels, a fourth book in the Tory Hunter series. Is there really a Manchester Bay? <laughs> no, Manchester Bay is kind of an amalgam of, I'd say, two or three Minnesota areas built into one so it's a fictional place it's i mean it's largely set in the brainerd lakes area okay but i turned brainerd i stole some of mankato and some of st cloud and <laughs> added it to brainerd and you have manchester bay there and you go put the town right on the lake and and you know the lake is basically gull lake and think of it that way mm -hmm. and, and so i kind of created this world so it's a little bit of a mix of Manchester Bay, but then we'll throw in towns like Cross Lake and Pequot Lakes and mm -hmm. that whole area up there. Um, you can create your own uh, perfect lake world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and so you know we just we went that route with this one, and um, and it's kind of fun. You get to you really can just develop it however you know you mm -hmm. want. But I think anybody from Minnesota can kind of read the stories and oh. and picture where where it's at or and, and certainly have a pretty good feel like it's home mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so my next question is the complexities of the story lead me to believe that it's somewhat of a true story and it touches on human trafficking a little bit can do you uh you know i don't know that it's necessarily based on any particular story um i you know i think you one of the things as an author, I think, is you're always looking for ideas and you're always looking for uh, something to build a story out of. And so human trafficking is a, a little bit of a part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, we touch on human trafficking a little bit on another one of the, the stories. And that plays into a little bit of Tori's background. I mean, Tori was in the main character, Tori Hunter, mm -hmm. was in the FBI. She specialized in child abductions mm -hmm. and, and human trafficking kind of investigations. And so, you you know, you, you play to some of the strengths of, of the character. Um, you know, I, I, it's the story starts with an abduction, uh, you know, of a child, uh, you know, a 12-year-old on her way home from school mm -hmm. uh, in broad daylight uh, with some witnesses and, you know, and where the story goes from there. Um, and, you know, I, so, I mean, I think you, you take bits and pieces that you see in real life and you, you weave them into a, you know, a story that you hope is compelling 
and, and, and draws in the reader from the get-go uh, so that they, you know, that they'll, they'll push through to the end. And so you try to start the story quick and just keep the momentum going. Hmm. So uh, have you ever been approached by anyone in, in the movie industry to make, <laughs> to make any of these? Because I, I, when I'm reading them, I'm, the movie is playing in my head. Well, when I'm writing them, the movie, I mean, I think, I can't speak for other writers, but for me, I mean, you have to be able to visualize what's happening to, to make it come alive on the page. To answer your original question, no, but I'm available. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if, if anybody's listening out there. You've gone this uh, far, you might as well. We, You know, I've had a couple of nibbles here and there from, you know, some folks who... Uh, you know, had some interest in, in doing this sort of thing, but it, it hasn't um, gotten that far down the road yet. I think that, I think almost every author kind of wants to have something like that happen. But I mean, I even look at somebody as successful and as great as John Sanford. And, you know, only a couple of his books have received a treatment. And frankly, they probably haven't been really all that great. And I'm sure he would have hoped for more out of it. Um you know, it took Vince Flynn forever, and actually it was posthumously that one of his, and it wasn't even really a, they took his character, but it wasn't really a story that was that consistent, I don't think, with any of his books, and turned it into a movie. So, um, you know, I think you're always interested in it. Uh, certainly if somebody wanted to, um, I'd be more than happy to, to sit down and chat with them. I think the books, you know, if somebody ever was interested, I mean, I think they would be better in a, I'd almost like them better in a Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV type series. Series, yeah. You know, you know where you really kind of let the characters develop and let the story breathe, rather than an hour and a half, two hour. Ooh, movie. the Tory Hunter series. You know, and so <laughs> the gears um, are turning already. Here. Yeah, well, <laughs> but but I mean, I think that that's um, so. We'll, we'll see. You know, you always hope. That can be such a long process too. Yeah. You know, even. Even if you have interest in a, uh, you know, uh, something that's uh, a novel or whatever being mm -hmm. turned into a movie, um, boy, from beginning to actual finished product, it can be many years before it actually gets there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I think a lot of times you, the book treatments or the book adaptations are several years down the road, and right. then the adaptations are really ultimately end up not being what like the book was actually like and, yeah. and some of that's because the story's old and you have to modernize it right and sometimes it's because you got to try to sell tell a story in two hours mm -hmm. i mean the the exception to that general rule is like gone girl from jillian flynn which was you know i mean she almost had the movie rights sold to that thing i think even before almost before the book was written yeah. you know it was now again she had some ends into the industry based on what she had done professionally but um but i also think that was a really good movie treatment of the book mm -hmm. um so yeah <laughs> well i uh i would think that being being a writer and having a story and then having uh someone else totally redo your you know uh, uh, sometimes the movies like you say don't mm-hmm are not nothing like what the book was written in, and yet they have to tell it in two two and a half half hours so it's it would i would think it would be hard to let that let them do that 
<laughs> well, it, well, <laughs> you have to if you're gonna. If, I I heard. I can't remember if it was Vince Flynn who said this one time in one of his radio interviews. He said basically it's. They pay you X amount of dollars. You throw the book over the fence, and then it's all theirs, and they right. just, they just decide what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think I think there are other writers who probably have the the juice to be able to say, no, if you're going to do this, this is I'm going to have a I'm going to be involved in writing the screenplay and the casting, and we're going to do this consistent with how we want it, but. Stephen King, maybe. Yeah, you know, that, you know, that John kind of Grisham, territory. Yeah, those yeah. kinds of guys probably sure. have the ability to do that. But I think most authors, it's I'm just I'm happy that they're willing to do it, and I understand this is how it works, and that's how it goes. So I'm trying to get into my last two questions. Uh, so if someone out there just hearing you for the first time and haven't read any of your books yet, sure, which one should they start with first? Well, I have two series. Um, so if you were going to start with the Tory Hunter series, you'd want to start with Silence Girls. Mm-hmm. And then that's followed by the Winter Girls and Hidden, An- Hidden Girl and then uh, Missing Angel. Um, so you'd want to start with Silence Girls. Now, I think all the stories stand on their own. And I mean, would you I agree with so. that? Because you, I thought you so did the because, first one and the fourth one. Yeah, right? and I, I thought so. And uh, being... Um, uh, yeah, it it touched on the, her her past in this fourth book, so you kind of knew why where she was coming from. Uh, and then it also now I'm going to have to go back and read the other two because there are references to the other two. Uh, not so much what she did after after the Silence Girls and and some. Mm-hmm. Uh, events in her life that probably were in these other two books yeah for so, example yeah. i mean missing angel almost starts with something that came at the end of the prior book okay um just from her own personal circumstances but but I, all the stories stand on their own mm-hmm. so i mean you wouldn't have had to have read one of the prior ones if you come in the middle on the other series the uh the the main character in that series is uh St. Paul Homicide, Irish Catholic detective named uh, McRyan. Um, you know, the the first full book in that series is called The St. Paul Conspiracy. Um, first Case is actually kind of a prequel to that book. I would recommend folks start with The St. Paul Conspiracy and even the second book, Deadly Stillwater, before they went back and caught that prequel. Um but again, all those books stand on their own. You'd know more about the characters if you read them in order, but there's no one story that you'd have to read to read any of the others. Mm-hmm. They all stand on their own. They're all you. You wouldn't be missing anything. Uh, and I think that's you know, as a as an author, I think you need to be careful with that. I mean, because you never know when somebody's going to find you when they're going to pick up your book. You know, they find it on a bookshelf somewhere, on a coffee table, wherever it is. You want them to be able to feel like, okay, I'm, uh, you don't want them to feel like they're missing something, you know, or that they can't truly understand the story because they haven't, you know, read, you know, the first two books in the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something like that, right? So, yeah, I couldn't get through that one. <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien's a heavy lift. <laughs> I read the first two, and that was the end of it for me. <laughs> So, well, I guess, uh, you know, it's lovely we're uh, on uh, 
the second half of the half hour. Uh, I only have one couple more questions, and they're nonsensical questions. <laughs> I, I'm new at this interviewing thing, and I like to watch the actor's studio. You ever watch that? I uh, sure did. So since this is radio and not cable TV, what is your favorite non-swear word? <laughs> favorite non-swear word. Mine is microcosm. Yeah. I love that word, microcosm. It's, uh, it means so many things. I think, <laughs> honestly, for me, it's probably something like seriously. <laughs> like, you know, and honest to God, in today's world, how many times a day do you find yourself saying seriously? Oh, yeah, I, a lot. I, I, mean, I, I mean, it's common when I'm talking to my friends. I, I use it in the books. I, you know, so it's. It can change depending on inflection. Yeah. Seriously? I mean, Shelly, if you seriously. gave me 15 minutes, I could probably come up with something better. But right now, well, and, so, I mean, seriously, you asked me that question. Yeah, well, and, and, these, and these days, to come up with a non-swear word is, mm. is uh, a feat. <laughs> because yeah. every time you turn around, you want to you say, you know, Don't oh, say my it. Gosh. Don't yeah, say yeah. oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So I, I guess I... I, guess I uh, uh, I guess I'm done. I don't have any other questions to ask you. And uh, it's been lovely. I, I, I love authors. I love books. I, and it's so much fun to talk to people who write. I just love it. Well, I appreciate the invite. And like we were chatting before we even started, I said, authors like to talk about writing. So it's, uh, it, it's great to come on, and I appreciate it. And, and I hope, uh, hope a few folks out there will pick up Missing Angel and give it a shot. Missing yeah. Angel is the latest. Um, available where? Uh, Amazon, um, uh, Apple Books, Google Books, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble. Uh, just got ordered online. E you can, you can e get it in ebook still, and print yeah. and audio. I, yeah. I, do think that, I do think that Marilyn at the book break has some in, in her store. So, it's always interesting Maple Lake. to, uh, and you brought up the audio books, um, uh, the interpretation of somebody else reading aloud your material. That must be kind of interesting to hear. It is. It really is. It's um, because both series are in audio and a different narrator for both series. And the main narr the narrator for the Tori Hunter series is a woman versus, you know, a man for the for the McRyan series and so it's always hmm. interesting to hear that the different uh the voice and okay is that the voice that I had in my head or not but um but they're doing you know audiobooks are doing really well and, yeah. and uh we get great feedback especially on the Tory Hunter series and so I I've been really pleased with that excellent wow. and your publisher is Book a Tour Missing Angel the latest title from Roger Stelges our uh, guest on our book club today. Shelly, you did a bang-up job. Thank you. <laughs> Roger, thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you uh, being in studio. We'll uh, do it again next month, the third Thursday of each month. We have the book club at 1010 on KRWC.